sometimes when you're driving, you can hit a little bump, boom, boom, you keep right on going, no problem. Sometimes you hit a real hard, bang, but then you're, and you're nervous for a few minutes, that you check the steering and everything, you keep going. But there is a pothole that demands that you pull over to the side of the road because it was so deep and so heavy and so rough that you can't just keep on keeping on as if nothing has happened because you have incurred some real damage. This is the Potter's Touch. Welcome to the Potter's Touch. I'm so delighted to be sitting in the bishop's chair. You know, many of us live fast-paced lives these days. We're rushing to work hurrying the kids to practices and performances, and we're speeding to church for worship. In our haste, if we don't pay attention, we can hit large potholes while driving. And for many of us, the way we drive is the way we live our lives, hasty and stressful. Whether you're that kind of driver or you're a leisurely and carefree one, hitting a bump in the road is never planned, but it happens. Well, the bishop and I have some planned maintenance for you today. Take a moment, slow down, get a cup of coffee, and think on this word. Today's message is going to help you get through life's potholes. Be blessed as you watch this. I'll be back after, in a little while. It is uh, perhaps drawing from the experiences of my youth in the hills of West Virginia, driving around the mountainous terrains in the Appalachian Mountains where I learned to drive where ice and snow was the order of the day and the salt that was used to control the ice and snow left us with unbelievable potholes. You all, you all have a pot spots. We had potholes, the kind of holes that you could sink the front end of your car into and never be seen again. And the tragedy is you never knew when you were going to run into them. You could just drive around a corner at a certain speed and just hit one before you know it. Uh, because if you were not used to it, you, you lost your sensitivity to it. You weren't preparing for it. And potholes, they, they don't come with announcements. Uh, they don't come with road signs saying in 10 miles you will hit a pothole. No, you just turn the corner and your wheel drops off into it and there you are either uh, with damage, uh, sometimes minor damage, sometimes just uh, throwing your front end out of a line, sometimes you can throw a rod, sometimes you can blow a tire, simply because you hit a pothole you can smash in the entire front end of your car. People have been known to wreck over potholes and they do happen. And as they happen in the natural, on the road to your destination, they also happen in the spiritual, on the road to your destination, generally without warning. No matter how prayerful and how mature you are and how developed you are as a believer, nothing uh, will prepare you for the amount of unexpected potholes that can happen to you while you are moving toward your destiny and purpose. Let's take a moment and talk a little bit about destiny because in the early years of my saved life, I was very fascinated to find out that I had a destiny. I didn't always realize that I had a destiny. I used to think that life was a matter of happenstance and that you woke up every morning and you just saw what was going to happen that day as if there were no God or no power or no force. 
Oh yes, I believed in God, but I didn't necessarily know that God intervenes in human affairs or that God cared enough about me to have a plan and an agenda for my life. And in the absence of that information, I didn't seek him for a plan because I thought that God was so busy running the universe that he might not be interested in the intricate details of my life. Imagine how shocked I was to find out that while God is running the universe and the galaxies and the atmosphere and stratospheres and hemispheres and all the other spheres that God cares about me. What is the destiny that God has for me? If you don't understand that, you open yourself up and become vulnerable to be misappropriated, misaligned, and misassigned tasks that you were not created to do. You open yourself up to be abused, abuse, which is abnormal use, as people assign for you what they think you ought to be doing rather than what God has for you to do. You could live your life in total frustration following an assignment that your father gave you, that your mother gave you, that your school teacher gave you that really was not what you were created to do. You were created with a specific purpose in mind. There's nothing that has ever been given to me that any inventor ever invented that didn't have a purpose. Nobody creates a thingamajig. This is a thingamajig. This is a whatchamacallit. I don't know what in the world it'll do, but it ought to be worth $25. I've never gotten a letter like that. You know why? Because every inventor that invents anything has a purpose in mind for the thing that he invented. Now, if we, being foolish, mere mortal humans, never invent anything without a purpose for it to function, how much more would the infinite, omniscient, all-wise, eternal, everlasting, immutable God have a purpose and agenda for every human being that he created in this world? Then you owe it to yourself to get back in the face of God and say, why am I created? What am I designed to do? I'm fearfully and marvelously made. My personality is not an afterthought. My gender is not an afterthought. My culture, my ethnicity is not an afterthought. Everything that you created in me, you created with great contemplation that I might function effectively to play a particular role that is uniquely mine in the earth that nobody else can do what I do like I do what I do when I get ready to do it like I do it. Tell somebody say I'm bad. In case you don't know, that's good. It's good to be bad. So I'm unique, and God has a plan for my life and a purpose for my life, and he has predestined me, predestined. Paul is the one who talks endlessly about being predestined. Those he did foreknow, he did predestine. He predestined, pre means before, the prefix pre for, destined means in, means that God has from the beginning planned my ending. It's not where God just looks and looks at me every morning and says, you know, I might have him go to Chicago. I don't know, maybe Puerto Rico. And then five years later, he said, no, I think I'm going to send him to Istanbul. No, no, no. God is methodical. He is mental. He is cerebral. He is a 
thinking, functioning, intelligent God. He has a plan for my life, and he has determined the end from the beginning. Now, some people are uncomfortable with that because they say, well, then that means that I have no will. That's not true. You didn't listen to the scripture. It said those he did foreknow, he did also predestinate. It means that God is so omniscient that he already knows everything I'm going to do before I do it. And he's taken in consideration my decisions and has determined my destiny in advance based on his knowledge of who I would be before I was ever formed. That's a God concept. Listen to what he told Jeremiah. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. I ordained thee and I sanctified thee to be a prophet unto the nation. That means before your grandfather met your grandmother in a pickup truck and said, Nellie, let's go for a ride, God already had picked you out and decided who you were and what you were going to be, and he had a plan for your life. That's why abortion is such a tragedy. It's not only that you abort a life, you abort a plan that God had for that person to fulfill in life and you have no right to get in God's business when God has set a plan in motion. I'll go deeper in this thing. He has predestined, he has predetermined. And what happens to us as we begin to move through life, sooner or later we get serious enough to want to know what is my end? What have you purposed for me to do? So that we won't waste our time in frivolous, riotous living, wasting days and nights and youth and strength going after things that are really not ours. Most busy people don't get in the car and say, you know what, I'm just going to go for a ride. Children go joyriding. Grown people don't go joyriding. We don't have time to go joyriding. When I get in the car, I am headed somewhere. I have a direction in mind. I have a route in mind, and I'm committed to getting there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? As it is in the natural, so it is with life. You have a goal and a direction in mind, and you move toward that direction with all tenacity, and as you move toward it, the only thing that that becomes difficult to navigate through is the unexpected. Still to come on The Potter's Touch. We're seeking the things in front of the presence of God. And now we're saying that if you get enough things, you must have faith. But that's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God in its righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. It didn't tell you to seek a new car. It didn't tell you to seek a new house. It didn't tell you to seek any outer sign of success to validate your faith. It said to seek the kingdom of God, and then all these other blessings shall run up from behind you and overtake you as you pursue the presence of God. Somebody in here knows what it is to have a blessing overtake you. It is a shaking place, and it is a breaking place, and it can be a tearful place, and it can be an uncomfortable place, and it can last for more than a day, and it can last for more than a weekend, and it's probably going to be more than a week. This is nothing but a pothole, a divinely arranged, strategically planned, a Holy Ghost orchestrated pothole in your life, and when the threshing is over, you shall come forth as pure one stronghold has got everything else in his life tied up. And that's what some of you have been going through all of your life. The devil's got one thing on you, and it's a stronghold. And every time he pulls you, he snatches you back. But you got to get loose from the stronghold. Overcome life's potholes by ordering this motivating two-part series. When you write to us, visit our website or call 1-800-BISHOP-2. 
David is a great leader. He is a great leader. He was a great leader. You're not a great leader because somebody votes you into a position. You're not a great leader because a, a, a piece of a paper says you're a great leader. You're not a great leader because you took a leadership course. Great leadership is, is hewn in the furnace of your existence, in the furnace of your childhood, in your embryonic stages. Everything that you've ever gone through in your life has prepared you to play a particular role. God trained David for leadership. Before he put him in charge of kingdoms, he put him in charge of sheep and cattle so you could practice your craft. You'll never get good at anything until you practice your craft. In fact, some of you think you have reached your destination. You have just reached your rehearsal. You haven't even come close to your destination yet. The thing that you're grappling with right now that's really upsetting you and frustrating you, it is just a trained exercise in rehearsal that's getting you ready for a role that's yet to be revealed in your life. And when you get there, you'll say, Lord, I'm glad that I went through what I went through back there because what I went through back there got me ready for what I'm dealing with up here. I couldn't tell you how true that is. Look at somebody and say, I'm getting ready for something wonderful. I may be dealing with something mediocre. I may be dealing with something that's beneath my training right now, but God is getting me ready. He's preparing me for something more awesome than what I'm dealing with right now. So I despise, as the Bible says, I do not despise the day of small beginnings. I don't mind that God's got me on the backside of the mountain dealing with sheep and cattle, and I'm standing in sheep dung and throwing rocks at, at, at lions and tigers and bears because I'm getting ready to kill my giant and move into my kingdom and go about my thing. When God found David, he said, I have found a man after my own heart. I found a man after my own heart. And when he found David, David was in no ways a man. He wasn't married. He wasn't grown. He wasn't developed. He wasn't stable. He didn't even have his own house. He didn't have his own property. He didn't have anything. David was a boy. But while he was yet a boy, God called him a man because God calls those things that are not as though they were. He knows he has the power to make it become whatever he called it. People call you something after you become it. But God calls you something before you become it because he knows you're going to be there before you get there. God said, I found a man after my own heart. And God said, there's a king inside of him. He was a boy. God says, there's a man inside of him. And, and the thing that caused David to be preferred in the presence of God was not his training or not his background. It was his hunger for the presence of God. David had an insatiable desire to be in the presence of God. You see, if you're going to be effective in the kingdom, you have to have a desire to be in the presence of God. You can't be a worship leader just because you tell people to worship. Real worship leaders are not people who tell you to worship. They worship so that they provoke you to worship. You become envious of the place in God they're in. And you try to rush to try to get into that realm of glory because you see them slipping from the outer court to the inner court to the holies of holies. Good teachers don't just teach you to study, they study themselves. And the study is so evident in their lives that they provoke you to envy and you say, you know, I've got to study, I've got to learn more. Look at how bright she is, look at how smart he is, look at his command of scripture, look at how they understand history or science or math or whatever it is they're teaching. Their command of what they do is what separates professionals from novice. And God has a plan for his life. And in that process, David has an insatiable desire for the presence of God. And God made him king because David had put first things first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The church has gotten that backwards today. Now we're seeking the things in front of the presence of God.
And now we're saying that if you get enough things, you must have faith. But that's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God in its righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. It didn't tell you to seek a new car. It didn't tell you to seek a new house. It didn't tell you to seek any outer sign of success to validate your faith. It said to seek the kingdom of God, and then all these other blessings shall run up from behind you and overtake you as you pursue the presence of God. Somebody in here knows what it is to have a blessing overtake you. You were just seeking God's presence, and while you were seeking God's presence, blessings just started coming from every direction and overtaking you as you put first things first. Saul's problem in being rejected from the kingdom is that it wasn't that he didn't have leadership skills, it's that Saul didn't put first things first. And when you don't put first things first, God will find somebody who understands priorities. And God said, I found a man who was still a boy, but he called him a man, says he's after my heart, and I'm going to make him king. So David has this innate, insatiable desire to be where God is. And unlike Saul, his predecessor, who was satisfied to have the position without the presence of God, David moves into his kingship saying, I would rather have the presence of God than the positions of God. Oh, there's a sermon in there somewhere. <laughs> I would rather have the presence of God than the positions of God. And God said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Since you want the presence of God more than the position, I'm going to give you the position so that you can bring the presence. Because all you wanted when you came to church was to just be in the presence of God and to be bathed with his glory and his anointing. God said, I'm going to begin to raise you up and promote you because you put first things first because you have opened your heart unto me to give me what you have in terms of praise, I'm going to open up my heart to you and give you what I have in terms of position. For promotion does not come from the east or the west. Promotion comes from the Lord. And when you seek God first, God says, as you give me what you've got, I'm going to give you what I've got, and, I, and you are next in line for a great promotion. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I'm talking to somebody today. And so when David became king, one of the things he was preoccupied with was bringing the presence of God back into the center of Jerusalem. The presence of God was being held capti in captivity by the men of Kirjoth Jerim. They had held the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, as it were, the symbol of the presence of God, for 20 years in captivity. David says, I want to bring the presence of God back into the center of my leadership. I would to God that every pastor, every preacher, every leader, every government official, every president, every king would begin to pray that prayer. I want to bring the presence of God back into the center of my leadership. That's not just a prayer for preachers. That's a prayer for business owners, for companies, for fathers, for, for mothers, for anybody who has anything up under their control. Your constant prayer is, Lord, I want to bring your presence back into the center of this house. Lord, I want to bring your presence back into the center of this marriage. Lord, I want to bring your presence back into the center of this classroom. Lord, I want to bring your presence back into the center of this company. Because wherever God is, you can never sink if Jesus is on the boat. That was a good shouting line right there, and they missed it. You can never sink if Jesus is on the boat. David starts about this process, and he builds a cart, 
thinking he's doing the right thing. He puts the Ark of the Covenant on the cart and he gets on the road and he's moving toward his destination. How many people feel like you're on the road to your destination? That's a blessing all by itself because some of us spent 10 or 15 years on the wrong road. Have you ever been driving somewhere and you were lost and you have that stressful, anxious feeling of not knowing where you're going and when you finally get back on the right road, you haven't even got to the city yet, but there's a certain relief that comes into your spirit because you say, I may not be there, but thank God I'm on the right road. And it says, it says, Chicago, 65 miles. You still got 65 miles to go, but you start to relax because before you were seeing Utah. And there he is on the right road and he's trying to do the right thing and he's on the right road and he's trying to do the right thing but he's going about it the wrong way and when he he's bringing the ark of the covenant back and he's bringing it on a cart and when he gets to the threshing floor there he hits a bump in the road the threshing floor is where he hits a bump in the road and and and, and the ark of the covenant just just topples over and he runs into an unexpected problem on the road to destiny. I have hit some real bumps on the road to destiny. It has not been a smooth ride at all. In fact, the smooth ride was just preparation for the next bump. <laughs> and about the time I finally calmed down and relaxed and put the cruise control on and got the music just right and got my arms settled just down where I could really cruise and relax, boom, boom bump on the road bump on the road David hit a bump in the road on his way to destiny and everything went crazy sometimes when you're driving you can hit a little bump boom, boom, you keep right on going no problem sometimes you hit a real hard bang, but then you're, and you're nervous for a few minutes that you check the steering and everything you keep going but there is a pothole that demands that you pull over to the side of the road because it was so deep and so heavy and so rough that you can't just keep on keeping on as if nothing has happened because you have incurred some real damage. While I call them potholes on the road to destiny, I understand the potholes are no small thing. No, potholes can be really major things. I mean, like, like a divorce can be a, a real pothole. You can't get a divorce on Wednesday and, you know, I'm going to meet somebody Friday. I'm going on a blind date. People who do that are destined to make the same mistakes over and over again because they haven't given time to the process to figure out how did I get in this dilemma? How do I get out of it? How much damage am I carrying as a result of what happened to me? I lost my job, pothole, on the road to destiny. I was going to pay off the car in 18 months, but I didn't see that they were going to, what do they call it, downsize the corporation. And this is the pothole. I will not be sending a payment this month, and I'm not sure about next month or the next month after that, and, and I need you to work with me and, 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 and don't take the car. But then if you're like me, I know what it is to, for them to just, you go out there and...
I never will forget, I was about 25, 26 years old, I looked out the window as, as my car went down the street. And I had that sick feeling of not needing to chase the driver. And it was a pothole on the road to destiny. It didn't mean that I wasn't destined. It didn't mean that someday I wouldn't be God's man. It didn't mean that I wouldn't never own a car again. It didn't mean that I wouldn't get my credit together. It didn't mean that I wouldn't be a great man of God. It didn't mean that I wouldn't make a great husband, but it did mean that this great husband, great father, great pastor, great leader had hit a pothole on the road to destiny. And I had to stop and recover from the pothole. You know, no matter the unexpected circumstance that has arisen, be assured of one thing. God was never caught by surprise by anything that has thrown us for a loop. Take courage. You'll survive each pothole. In a moment, I'll be back to pray with you for every change and every transition that you may encounter. But first, I've got to thank our partners and friends we love you with the love of the Lord. Your letters, your phone calls encourage us so much. But I'll be back in a moment just to talk to you. It is a shaking place, and it is a breaking place, and it can be a tearful place, and it can be an uncomfortable place, and it can last for more than a day, and it can last for more than a weekend, and it's probably going to be more than a week. This is nothing but a pothole, a divinely arranged, strategically planned, a Holy Ghost orchestrated pothole in your life, and when the threshing is over, you shall come forth as pure one stronghold has got everything else in his life tied up. And that's what some of you have been going through all of your life. Devil's got one thing on you, and it's a stronghold. And every time he pulls you, he snatches you back. But you got to get loose from the stronghold. Overcome life's potholes by ordering this motivating two-part series. When you write to us, visit our website or call 1-800-BISHOP-2. This unhealthy relationship has been going on too long. You should be breaking up with fear. You're amazed at yourself how calm you reacted to the circumstance because the peace that you're operating in is not your peace. It is the peace of God. I didn't cut you. It's the peace of God. I didn't curse you out. I thought of it, but I didn't react on it. For helping us reach others with your best gift, we would like to bless you with Bishop T.D. Jake's four liberating messages, Breaking Up With Fear, Unleashed Grace on DVD. While other people brag about their car and about their house, I'll always thank them for the amazing grace that caught me when it caught me. And when your gift is $150 or more, we would also like to give you the Fearless Reading Collection, Bishop Jake's Woman Thou Art Loosed, Healing the Wounds of Your Past, and Cheryl Brady's You Have It In You, plus Seeds of Greatness on DVD. All this when you visit our website or call 1-800-BISHOP-2 today. Partners, don't miss Come Home for Christmas, our special holiday weekend at the beautiful Gaylord Texan Resort. We can't do any of the things we do without your support and prayer, and I don't want you to step into another year without us being able to pray over the mandates that the Holy Spirit has put on your life as well. Registration is absolutely free, but we do need you to register. Space is limited, so reach out to us today, and I'm looking forward to seeing you on December 7th through the 9th as we come home for Christmas. 
thank God for our bishop and the message on today. We will overcome our potholes along the road to destiny. Now, let you and I agree that God will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we have imagined him to do, just because we ask him to. Lord, we thank you so much. In the name of Jesus, continue to lead us in a plain path because of the enemies that are around us and the enemies that are within us. Only you know our destiny and our purpose. Whisper it in our ears and remind us that we belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, partners and Aaron's army. We love you so much. Can't wait to see you the next time on The Potter's Touch. This is The Potter's Touch. Sometimes when you're driving, you can hit a little bump, and boom, boom, you keep right on going, no problem. Sometimes you hit a real hard, bang, but then you're, and you're nervous for a few minutes that you check the steering and everything, you keep going. But there is a pothole that demands that you pull over to the side of the road because it was so deep and so heavy and so rough that you can't just keep on keeping on as if nothing has happened because you have incurred some real damage. This is the Potter's Touch. Welcome to the Potter's Touch. I'm so delighted to be sitting in the bishop's chair. You know, many of us live fast-paced lives these days. We're rushing to work, hurrying the kids to practices and performances, and we're speeding to church for worship. Ooh. In our haste, if we don't pay attention, we can hit large potholes while driving. And for many of us, the way we drive is the way we live our lives, hasty and stressful. Whether you're that kind of driver or you're a leisurely and carefree one, hitting a bump in the road is never planned, but it happens. Well, the bishop and I have some planned maintenance for you today. Take a moment, slow down, get a cup of coffee, and think on this word. Today's message is going to help you get through life's potholes. Be blessed as you watch this. I'll be back after in a little while. It is uh, perhaps drawing from the experiences of my youth in the hills of West Virginia, driving around the mountainous terrains in the Appalachian Mountains where I learned to drive where ice and snow was the order of the day and the salt that was used to control the ice and snow left us with unbelievable potholes. You all, you all have pot spots. We had potholes, the kind of holes that you could sink the front end of your car into and never be seen again. And the tragedy is you never knew when you were going to run into them. You could just drive around a corner at a certain speed and just hit one before you know it. Uh, because if you were not used to it, you, you lost your sensitivity to it. You weren't preparing for it. And potholes, they, they don't come with announcements. Uh, they don't come with road signs saying in 10 miles you will hit a pothole. No, you just turn the corner and your wheel drops off into it and there you are either uh, with damage 
uh, sometimes minor damage, sometimes just throwing your front end out of a line, sometimes you can throw a rod, sometimes you can blow a tire, simply because you hit a pothole, you can smash in the entire front end of your car. People have been known to wreck over potholes, and they do happen. And as they happen in the natural, on the road to your destination, they also happen in the spiritual, on the road to your destination, generally without warning. No matter how prayerful and how mature you are and how developed you are as a believer, nothing uh, will prepare you for the amount of unexpected potholes that can happen to you while you are moving toward your destiny and purpose. Let's take a moment and talk a little bit about destiny because in the early years of my saved life, I was very fascinated to find out that I had a destiny. I didn't always realize that I had a destiny. I used to think that life was a matter of happenstance and that you woke up every morning and you just saw what was going to happen that day as if there were no God or no power or no force. Oh yes, I believed in God, but I didn't necessarily know that God intervenes in human affairs or that God cared enough about me to have a plan and an agenda for my life. And in the absence of that information, I didn't seek him for a plan because I thought that God was so busy running the universe that he might not be interested in the intricate details of my life. Imagine how shocked I was to find out that while God is running the universe and the galaxies and the atmosphere and stratospheres and hemispheres and all the other spheres, that God cares about me. What is the destiny that God has for me? If you don't understand that, you open yourself up and become vulnerable to be misappropriated, misaligned, and misassigned tasks that you were not created to do. You open yourself up to be abused, abuse, which is abnormal use, as people assign for you what they think you ought to be doing rather than what God has for you to do. You could live your life in total frustration following an assignment that your father gave you, that your mother gave you, that your school teacher gave you that really was not what you were created to do. You were created with a specific purpose in mind. There's nothing that has ever been given to me that any inventor ever invented that didn't have a purpose. Nobody creates a thingamajig. This is a thingamajig. This is a whatchamacallit. I don't know what in the world it'll do, but it ought to be worth $25. I've never gotten a letter like that. You know why? Because every inventor that invents anything has a purpose in mind for the thing that he invented. Now, if we, being foolish, mere mortal humans, never invent anything without a purpose for it to function, how much more would the infinite, omniscient, all-wise, eternal, everlasting, immutable God have a purpose and agenda for every human being that he created in this world? Then you owe it to yourself to get back in the face of God and say, why am I created? What am I designed to do? I'm fearfully and marvelously made. My personality is not an afterthought. My gender is not an afterthought. My culture, my ethnicity is not an afterthought. Everything that you created in me, you created with great contemplation that I might function effectively to play a particular role that is uniquely mine in the earth that nobody else can do what I do like I do what I do when I get ready to do it like I do it. Tell somebody and say I'm bad. In case you don't know, that's good. It's good to be bad. 
So I'm unique. And God has a plan for my life and a purpose for my life. And he has predestined me. Predestined. Paul is the one who talks endlessly about being predestined. Those he did foreknow, he did predestine. He predestined. Pre means before. The prefix pre before. Destine means in. Means that God has from the beginning planned my ending. It's not where God just looks and looks at me every morning and says, you know, I might have him go to Chicago. I don't know, maybe Puerto Rico. And then five years later, he said, no, I think I'm going to send him to Istanbul. No, no, no. God is methodical. He is mental. He is cerebral. He is a thinking, functioning, intelligent God. He has a plan for my life, and he has determined the end from the beginning. Now, some people are uncomfortable with that because they say, well, then that means that I have no will. That's not true. You didn't listen to the scripture. It said those he did foreknow, he did also predestinate. It means that God is so omniscient that he already knows everything I'm going to do before I do it, and he's taken in consideration my decisions and has determined my destiny in advance based on his knowledge of who I would be before I was ever formed. That's a God concept. Listen to what he told Jeremiah. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. I ordained thee and I sanctified thee to be a prophet unto the nation. That means before your grandfather met your grandmother in a pickup truck and said, Nelly, let's go for a ride, God already had picked you out and decided who you were and what you were going to be and he had a plan for your life. That's why abortion is such a tragedy. It's not only that you abort a life, you abort a plan that God had for that person to fulfill in life and you have no right to get in God's business when God has set a plan in motion. I'll go deeper in this thing. He has predestined, he has predetermined. And what happens to us as we begin to move through life, sooner or later we get serious enough to want to know what is my end? What have you purposed for me to do so that we won't waste our time in frivolous, riotous living, wasting days and nights and youth and strength going after things that are really not ours. Most busy people don't get in the car and say, you know what, I'm just going to go for a ride. Children go joyriding. Grown people don't go joyriding. We don't have time to go joyriding. When I get in the car, I am headed somewhere. I have a direction in mind. I have a route in mind, and I'm committed to getting there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? As it is in the natural, so it is with life. You have a goal and a direction in mind, and you move toward that direction with all tenacity, and as you move toward it, the only thing that that becomes difficult to navigate through is the unexpected. Still to come on The Potter's Touch. We're seeking the things in front of the presence of God. And now we're saying that if you get enough things, you must have faith. But that's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God in its righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. It didn't tell you to seek a new car. It didn't tell you to seek a new house. It didn't tell you to seek any outer sign of success to validate your faith. It said to seek the kingdom of God, and then all these other blessings shall run up from behind you and overtake you as you pursue the presence of God. Somebody in here knows what it is to have a blessing overtake you. It is a shaking place, and it is a breaking place, and it can be a tearful place, and it can be an uncomfortable place, and it can last for more than a day, and it can last for more than a weekend, and it's probably going to be more than a week. This is nothing but a pun.
whole of divinely arranged, strategically planned, a Holy Ghost orchestrated pothole in your life. And when the threshing is over, you shall come forth as pure gold. One stronghold has got everything else in his life tied up. And that's what some of you have been going through all of your life. Devil's got one thing on you, and it's a stronghold. And every time he pulls you, he snatches you back. But you got to get loose from the stronghold. Overcome life's potholes by ordering this motivating two-part series. When you write to us, visit our website or call 1-800-BISHOP-2. David is a great leader. He is a great leader. He was a great leader. You're not a great leader because somebody votes you into a position. You're not a great leader because a, a, a piece of a paper says you're a great leader. You're not a great leader because you took a leadership course. Great leadership is, is hewn in the furnace of your existence, in the furnace of your childhood, in your embryonic stages. Everything that you've ever gone through in your life has prepared you to play a particular role. God trained David for leadership. Before he put him in charge of kingdoms, he put him in charge of sheep and cattle so you could practice your craft. You'll never get good at anything until you practice your craft. In fact, some of you think you have reached your destination. You have just reached your rehearsal. You haven't even come close to your destination yet. The thing that you're grappling with right now that's really upsetting you and frustrating you, it is just a trained exercise in rehearsal that's getting you ready for a role that's yet to be revealed in your life. And when you get there, you'll say, Lord, I'm glad that I went through what I went through back there because what I went through back there got me ready for what I'm dealing with up here. I couldn't tell you how true that is. Look at somebody and say, I'm getting ready for something wonderful. I may be dealing with something mediocre. I may be dealing with something that's beneath my training right now, but God is getting me ready. He's preparing me for something more awesome than what I'm dealing with right now. So I despise, as the Bible says, I do not despise the day of small beginnings. I don't mind that God's got me on the backside of the mountain dealing with sheep and cattle, and I'm standing in sheep dung and throwing rocks at, at, at lions and tigers and bears because I'm getting ready to kill my giant and move into my kingdom and go about my thing. When God found David, he said, I have found a man after my own heart. I found a man after my own heart. And when he found David, David was in no ways a man. He wasn't married. He wasn't grown. He wasn't developed. He wasn't stable. He didn't even have his own house. He didn't have his own property. He didn't have anything. David was a boy. But while he was yet a boy, God called him a man because God calls those things that are not as though they were. He knows he has the power to make it become whatever he called it. People call you something after you become it. But God calls you something before you become it because he knows you're going to be there before you get there. God said, I found a man after my own heart. And God said, there's a king inside of him. He was a boy. God says, there's a man inside of him. And, and the thing that caused David to be preferred in the presence of God was not his training or not his background. It was his hunger for the presence of God. David had an insatiable desire to be in the presence of God. You see, if you're going to be effective in the kingdom, you have to have a desire to be in the presence of God. You can't be a worship leader just because you tell people to worship. 
worship. Real worship leaders are not people who tell you to worship. They worship so that they provoke you to worship. You become envious of the place in God they're in, and you try to rush to try to get into that realm of glory because you see them slipping from the outer court to the inner court to the holies of holies. Good teachers don't just teach you to study, they study themselves. And the study is so evident in their lives that they provoke you to envy and you say, you know, I've got to study, I've got to learn more. Look at how bright she is, look at how smart he is, look at his command of scripture, look at how they understand history or science or math or whatever it is they're teaching. Their command of what they do is what separates professionals from novice. And God has a plan for his life. And in that process, David has an insatiable desire for the presence of God. And God made him king because David had put first things first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The church has gotten that backwards today. Now we're seeking the things in front of the presence of God. And now we're saying that if you get enough things, you must have faith. But that's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God in its righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. It didn't tell you to seek a new car. It didn't tell you to seek a new house. It didn't tell you to seek any outer sign of success to validate your faith. It said to seek the kingdom of God, and then all these other blessings shall run up from behind you and overtake you as you pursue the presence of God. Somebody in here knows what it is to have a blessing overtake you. You were just seeking God's presence, and while you were seeking God's presence, blessings just started coming from every direction and overtaking you as you put first things first. Saul's problem in being rejected from the kingdom is that it wasn't that he didn't have leadership skills, it's that Saul didn't put first things first. And when you don't put first things first, God will find somebody who understands priorities. And God said, I found a man who was still a boy, but he called him a man, says he's after my heart, and I'm going to make him king. So David has this innate, insatiable desire to be where God is. And unlike Saul, his predecessor, who was satisfied to have the position without the presence of God, David moves into his kingship saying, I would rather have the presence of God than the positions of God. Oh, there's a sermon in there somewhere. <laughs> I would rather have the presence of God than the positions of God. And God said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Since you want the presence of God more than the position, I'm going to give you the position so that you can bring the presence. Because all you wanted when you came to church was to just be in the presence of God and to be bathed with his glory and his anointing. God said, I'm going to begin to raise you up and promote you because you put first things first. Because you have opened your heart unto me to give me what you have in terms of praise, I'm going to open up my heart to you and give you what I have in terms of position. For promotion does not come from the east or the west. Promotion comes from the Lord. And when you seek God first, God says, as you give me what you've got, I'm going to give you what I've got, and, I, and you are next in line for a great promotion. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I'm talking to somebody today. 
And so when David became king, one of the things he was preoccupied with was bringing the presence of God back into the center of Jerusalem. The presence of God was being held capti in captivity by the men of Kirjoth Jerim. They had held the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, as it were, the symbol of the presence of God, for 20 years in captivity. David says, I want to bring the presence of God back into the center of my leadership. I would to God that every pastor, every preacher, every leader, every government official, every president, every king would begin to pray that prayer. I want to bring the presence of God back into the center of my leadership. That's not just a prayer for preachers. That's a prayer for business owners, for companies, for fathers, for, for mothers, for anybody who has anything up under their control. Your constant prayer is, Lord, I want to bring your presence back into the center of this house. Lord, I want to bring your presence back into the center of this marriage. Lord, I want to bring your presence back into the center of this classroom. Lord, I want to bring your presence back into the center of this company. Because wherever God is, you can never sink if Jesus is on the boat. That was a good shouting line right there, and they missed it. You can never sink if Jesus is on the boat. David starts about this process, and he builds a cart, thinking he's doing the right thing. He puts the Ark of the Covenant on the cart, and he gets on the road, and he's moving toward his destination. How many people feel like you're on the road to your destination? That's a blessing all by itself. Because some of us spent 10 or 15 years on the wrong road. Have you ever been driving somewhere and you were lost and you have that stressful, anxious feeling of not knowing where you're going and when you finally get back on the right road, you haven't even got to the city yet, but there's a certain relief that comes into your spirit because you say, I may not be there, but thank God I'm on the right road. And it says, it says, Chicago, 65 miles. You still got 65 miles to go, but you start to relax because before you were seeing Utah. And there he is on the right road and he's trying to do the right thing and he's on the right road and he's trying to do the right thing but he's going about it the wrong way and when he he's bringing the ark of the covenant back and he's bringing it on a cart and when he gets to the threshing floor there he hits a bump in the road the threshing floor is where he hits a bump in the road and and and, and the ark of the covenant just just topples over and he runs into an unexpected problem on the road to destiny. I have hit some real bumps on the road to destiny. It has not been a smooth ride at all. In fact, the smooth ride was just preparation for the next bump. <laughs> and about the time I finally calmed down and relaxed and put the cruise control on and got the music just right and got my arms settled just down where I could really cruise and relax, boom, boom bump on the road a bump on the road David hit a bump in the road on his way to destiny and everything went crazy sometimes when you're driving you can hit a little bump boom, boom, you keep right on going no problem sometimes you hit a real hard bang but then you're, you're nervous for a few minutes that you check the steering and everything you keep going but there is a pothole that demands that you pull over to the side of the road because it was so deep and so heavy and so rough that you can't just keep on keeping on as if nothing has happened because you have incurred some real damage. 
While I call them potholes on the road to destiny, I understand that potholes are no small thing. No, potholes can be really major things. I mean, like, like a divorce can be a, a real pothole. You can't get a divorce on Wednesday and, you know, I'm going to meet somebody Friday. I'm going on a blind date. People who do that are destined to make the same mistakes over and over again because they haven't given time to the process to figure out how did I get in this dilemma? How do I get out of it? How much damage am I carrying as a result of what happened to me? I lost my job pothole on the road to destiny. I was going to pay off the car in 18 months, but I didn't see that they were going to, what do they call it? Downsize the corporation. And this is the pothole. I will not be sending a payment this month, and I'm not sure about next month or the next month after that, and, and I need you to work with me and, 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 and don't take the car. But then if you're like me, I know what it is to, for them to just, you go out there and I never will forget, I was about 25, 26 years old, I looked out the window as, as my car went down the street. And I had that sick feeling of not needing to chase the driver. And it was a pothole on the road to destiny. It didn't mean that I wasn't destined. It didn't mean that someday I wouldn't be God's man. It didn't mean that I would never own a car again. It didn't mean that I wouldn't get my credit together. It didn't mean that I wouldn't be a great man of God. It didn't mean that I wouldn't make a great husband. But it did mean that this great husband, great father, great pastor, great leader had hit a pothole on the road to destiny. And I had to stop and recover from the pothole. You know, no matter the unexpected circumstance that has arisen, be assured of one thing. God was never caught by surprise by anything that has thrown us for a loop. Take courage. You'll survive each pothole. In a moment, I'll be back to pray with you for every change and every transition that you may encounter. But first, I've got to thank our partners and friends we love you with the love of the Lord. Your letters, your phone calls encourage us so much. But I'll be back in a moment just to talk to you. It is a shaking place, and it is a breaking place, and it can be a tearful place, and it can be an uncomfortable place, and it can last for more than a day, and it can last for more than a weekend, and it's probably going to be more than a week. This is nothing but a pothole, a divinely arranged, strategically planned, a Holy Ghost orchestrated pothole in your life, and when the threshing is over, you shall come forth as pure one stronghold has got everything else in his life tied up. And that's what some of you have been going through all of your life. Devil's got one thing on you, and it's a stronghold. And every time he pulls you, he snatches you back. But you got to get loose from the stronghold. Overcome life's potholes by ordering this motivating two-part series. When you write to us, visit our website, or call 1-800-BISHOP-2. This unhealthy relationship has been going on too long. You should be breaking up with fear. You're amazed at yourself how calm you reacted to the circumstance 
because the peace that you're operating in is not your peace. It is the peace of God. I didn't cut you. It's the peace of God. I didn't curse you out. I thought of it, but I didn't react on it. For helping us reach others with your best gift, we would like to bless you with Bishop T.D. Jake's four liberating messages, Breaking Up with Fear, Unleashed Grace on DVD. While other people brag about their car and about their house, I'll always thank them for the amazing grace that caught me when it caught me. And when your gift is $150 or more, we would also like to give you the Fearless Reading Collection, Bishop Jake's Woman Thou Art Loosed, Healing the Wounds of Your Past, and Cheryl Brady's You Have It In You, plus Seeds of Greatness on DVD. All this when you visit our website or call 1-800-BISHOP-2 today. Partners, don't miss Come Home for Christmas, our special holiday weekend at the beautiful Gaylord Texan Resort. We can't do any of the things we do without your support and prayer, and I don't want you to step into another year without us being able to pray over the mandates that the Holy Spirit has put on your life as well. Registration is absolutely free, but we do need you to register. Space is limited, so reach out to us today, and I'm looking forward to seeing you on December 7th through the 9th as we come home for Christmas. Thank God for our bishop and the message on today. We will overcome our potholes along the road to destiny. Now, let you and I agree that God will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we have imagined him to do, just because we ask him to. Lord, we thank you so much. In the name of Jesus, continue to lead us in a plain path because of the enemies that are around us and the enemies that are within us. Only you know our destiny and our purpose. Whisper it in our ears and remind us that we belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, partners and Aaron's army. We love you so much. Can't wait to see you the next time on The Potter's Touch. This is